एक मिनट रुक जाओ रेडी होने दो चलो ये कर लेते हैं Hi, I am Akshay. Hi, this is Saurabh and you are listening to the Founder Thesis podcast. We meet some of the most celebrated startup founders in the country and we want to learn how to build a unicorn. Hi, I'm Preeti Rathi Gupta. I'm the founder of Lakshmi. I'm also managing director Anand Rathi Shares and Stock Brokers. It is no longer breaking news that young women today are storming into male-dominated areas. But there was an era when a young woman was expected to get married, put her career on hold for the sake of her family, and it was path-breaking to see a woman take on leadership roles in corporates. One such trailblazer is Preeti Rathi Gupta. She is the daughter of Anand Rathi, who is the founder of one of the largest financial services groups in India. She not only took up challenging roles within the Anand Rathi group but also diversified into film production and her most recent venture and passion is Lakshmi which is spelled as L X M E Lakshmi is a community driven fintech that is putting women in charge of their finances by offering training content community and investing products and with her decades of experience Preeti will surely scale up Lakshmi to meaningfully impact millions of women in India Here's Preeti telling Akshay that about her wonderful journey Okay So Preeti uh, tell me about uh, growing up in uh, like you know in in a family of entrepreneurs so to say like, like what was your childhood like So actually interestingly my childhood my father wasn't an entrepreneur he was a professional um and it's only at i think when he turned 45 he turned an entrepreneur uh so i've actually growing up seen uh, a professional you know at home for most of my growing up years and then where, where was well, he working like, like if you can just so tell us was, his story also. yeah so he was working with the uh, aditya birla group um and he had a i think a 20 year inning uh, there uh where he was he set up what is known today known as uh, birla finance uh birla money aditya birla money and birla finance it's something that he set up uh, by which is their uh, mutual fund arm i think yes so he actually started with um, i mean he used to he started with the textile businesses set up seven businesses for the group um but because of his financial acumen um he worked very closely with mr birla to you know to come up with these ideate constantly on how could the group overall do better when it came to finance functions so one of the things that he did was centralize all finance functions brought them together um and that was his idea so that you leverage on the on the power of the group and just the whole breadth of you know what the group across was doing whether it is things like lending uh, borrowing or uh, looking at hedging etc so i think that and that then eventually um, grew into birla finance and then you know what is today, uh, uh, the other financial services firm so um, we had an extensive career there and we moved actually thanks to his career we moved every 3 years 4 years we were in a different city um, So when when people talk of adaptability quotient, I think thanks to thanks to him we learned it early on, uh, and then eventually we settled in Bombay and uh, and I think at forty five and he just felt that his other two kids were a little younger. That was probably the either he would take the step then or never. So I think he just made that big jump, that leap of faith. Uh, at that point in time and it's unheard of because you know to give up a very nice cushy job to really start off on uh, at least then it was unheard of today's world is very different i think if you look at the startup world uh, you know you'll see yeah, so, now, now people are like a job kyu kar rahe ho <laughs> 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 yeah 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 so so like how did he fund the business like what was his idea basically of course his forte was always finance and having got that that experience across working with the birla group and before that he was with dcm and you know company called swadeshi politics so he understood the whole piece of financial um uh, consulting for uh, you know um corporates or companies and i think when he left his job he knew that he had to be in a business which was not very capital intensive uh, 
and therefore services, right? And within services, of course, you know, financial consulting was something that he did. Um, he knew was his forte. So he said he'll do that. Uh, but in the meanwhile, uh, I got married and my husband was also in the stock market. And uh, he was a national stock exchange broker. And my father had a Bombay stock exchange card. So they said, OK, why don't we join forces? I, he said, I'm not interested in broking. So why don't you carry on with the whole broking piece? And I would still want to continue into corporate finance and financial consulting. Um, so I think that's what the structure was. And obviously, he knew that we couldn't do anything that was very capital intensive because he hadn't, you know, um, uh, too many responsibilities at home. So there wasn't like a huge corpus. Yes, there was some amount, but not a huge corpus sort of built to, uh, uh, to have anything in the manufacturing or in industry. Hmm. Or, right, right. Oh, so, yeah. So, so this was the way to go. What did you do in terms of like, you know, uh, after your schooling got over, like, did you have a plan that you want to like do something in the area of finance or like? So I think I always knew, I think uh, uh, I always say that I think it was very deeply embedded in the DNA. But I think my father played a very, very instrumental role because while I was growing up, um, I mean, there were no people wouldn't do internships then. Right. But. I think the day I joined college, he said, why don't you go to, my choice was between a, a, a college known as Sydney and HR. And he said, why don't you join HR? Because that's 7 to 10 in the morning and then you can come and work um, with me and you can handle the family portfolio. So you learn all of that. So a lot of credit to him for pushing me, you know, into using that part of the day. So whether it is managing our portfolios, family portfolios or learning a new new language, um, you know, that it was just basic and all of that and just pushing me towards, um, you know, finance and finance related uh, sort of, um, um, you know, subjects. Uh, and then I interned with my uncle who was a stockbroker. So I sort of uh, got got the hang of, I mean, by the time I was married, I knew what stockbroking was all about. And so I think he sort of pushed me from early days to say, look, you know, you have to, if nothing else, you need to understand how money works. Uh, because no matter whether you build a profession in it or not, it is something that will always serve you well. Um, and I think that to me uh, was very empowering. I And it was you part were of... You investing real money? Like he gave you a corporate? Absolutely. Okay. So, so I started by understanding how he had done the investments, right? Uh, so across our family portfolio, I would understand what stocks, when are dividends declared, make sure, you know, very basic. I think he started with making me do accounting stuff that, you know, check whether dividends have come in or not in each of the portfolios, uh, each account, etc. And that just helped a very, very, you know, fundamental understanding of how stock markets work. What does it mean to invest into stocks? Um, you know, why, why, why do you look at stocks that pay dividends and you look at growth stocks where, you know, the the appreciation uh, of the stocks helps you build your capital. So I think that was very, very helpful. And which is why, uh, to me, it's now, you know, it, it's something that's just part of who I am because it's been so deeply uh, embedded. Hmm. So like uh, around uh, 1920 is uh, when your father also started Anand Rati and then you started going to the office and learning the ropes. So uh, tell me about the journey of how, Probably Anand Rati started with a small team of couple of people and how it grew like that. Yeah, and so, and your, your contribution also in that whole journey. Yeah. So actually, when I got married, uh, Anand Rati wasn't already set up. He was my father was still with the Birlas and my husband set up a stockbroking company. So he came from, uh, you know, the background of textiles. And he said, I want to, you know, 1991, everybody wanted to do stockbroking, right? Because that was the Harshad Mehta time. It was a boom in the markets. And there was just too much money there. And he said, why don't we start something here? And which is where I helped him set up his national stock exchange, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, the broking company. Because I had that, uh, you know, experience. I knew, in fact, I've when we set up the, uh, the company, I was actually doing institutional trading, sitting on the desk and doing trading. Uh, so that's how the journey started. Um, and then um, in 1994 90, is when Anand Rati was set up, um, when they joined forces. Um, and invariably, I think, um, you know, the way we, we, start of, we started functioning or how 
other than my father and my husband, every other family member who came in was like, look, we need hands, right? All hands on on board, right? So um, that's how we joined the business, each one of us setting up a business. Um, of course, the company started really small, very small uh, office. We had about, I think, 15 to 20 people. Um, essentially, um, as you can guess, most chartered accountants, most of them mm-hmm. chartered mm-hmm. accountants. Mm-hmm. Um, no, 15, 20 is pretty sizable to start a company. With. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but you see what, what was helpful was that we already had um, in our national stock exchange, we already had a broking business. So that was already a, um, a business that, that um, you know, that had revenues. So you had revenues. You had base, right. yeah? hmm. And hmm. then, of course, the financial consulting at that point in time, uh, you know, it was not, it was not very um, um, sort of people heavy. Uh, and if anybody who wanted to sort of give a, uh, uh, you know, a mandate for financial restructuring of the company, etc. They always wanted Mr. Rati there. So it wasn't yeah, like... Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. It was his brand, basically. Yeah. And then, of yeah. course, over a period of time, we realized that it is not very scalable because, you know, if he has to give so much time and, you know, irrespective of whether you build teams. So then slowly, of course, as each one of us joined the business, for example, when I joined, I set up the commodities desk, currencies desk. Uh, my brother joined in. He set up the wealth management business. Uh, soon we had the investment banking business. My sister-in-law joined in. We set up the insurance business. So that's how we sort of, I think when we just started, we said, okay, you know, let's see who who brings in what strength, what can we do with these limited resources. Uh, but I think it helped to have, um, again, my father's acumen in saying that, you know, this is, you know, you actually come back to that whole unit cost system which he had um, implemented with the Birlas and saying, you know, this is how we sort of look at uh, uh, building revenues. Also, I think we were very, um, in that sense, very unconventional. Most business houses then would say, okay, let's first build revenue, then take on expenses, right? I think for us, right from the beginning, we knew that if we had to create a business of this size, you need to get resources from outside. Um, and which means that, you know, it will be an expense that you take on, but that that is the way to sort of grow to the size that you want to. So I think we, we did do it, uh, uh, you know, very differently. Um, and I think most businesses didn't. Like your father put in his life savings, no, not just yeah. that. And I think, you know, I mean, today what you call the startup mindset is what we had back then, right? You said, okay, let's let's first just get in the, you know, the resources cost and we'll see how we, you know, we... Yeah. Very first and then figure out monetization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, uh, I mean, the monetization was very clear, of course. We knew each of the businesses, there is a monetization um, happening very soon. Um, but I don't think we waited for... Um, you know, other businesses to sort of pay before we set up new businesses. And it helped to have uh, family members, uh, you know, who came in to set up different businesses. Uh, Right, 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 right. Yeah. Otherwise, you'd have to pay very high salaries for like having professionals to do those. Mm. Yeah, but interestingly, also, Akshay, one of the things that we uh, we always... uh, you know, the way we've run Anandrati is also that within a year and a half or two years, uh, we build in a professional team for the business. Uh, so the you know, the family member actually is the entrepreneur, right? So they go and stick their neck out and they say, okay, let's create this business. But let's also get professionals to to then take charge. And so which is, why, you know, we today call ourselves or we are known as uh, family-led but professionally run uh, hmm. company. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but we built a sizable business. Um, yeah. uh, by 2000, I think we were in for retail, we were present across 1000 plus locations. Um, our branch offices were there. Yeah, and uh, this was like on uh, like your old or franchisee uh, model? So, like? so it was a mix of both, but we were the only group that had more of our own branches as opposed to franchises. Um, and so that that by then I think we were very very firmly established um, in the uh, investment services retail piece. Our wealth business was just building up. I think we had started it and it had come, you know, it had picked up legs. Hmm. Um, institutional wealth business was uh, for HNIs only or uh, like yes, absolutely okay. it was 
was HNI and ultra HNI, um, actually, and um, and that was picking up legs. Um, also, I think we had um, in investment banking had also picked up. We had sort of said we started doing a lot of um, uh, capital raising, uh, corporate capital capital raising through IPOs or companies. Um, I think. Um, Insurance was probably not started in 2000. Yeah, but I was, so we were actively still in the broking space with an investment bank, uh, investment banking arm and the wealth management sort of picking up. Hmm. Okay, okay. And uh, 2000 is when, you know, uh, I think that the broking space would have just started to get disrupted with the online players. Uh, so, you know, how, how did that, uh, how did Anand Rati evolve as the market? Well, I, I'll tell you. So this is a very interesting story. So we also started with our online broking. Uh, and I remember us and Sher Khan, we debuted on the same day. Uh, this was 2001. And I remember that our, uh, this was 1999, I think, just on the cusp of 2000, right? Um, and And we had all our, because we went online, we had, because of our brand setup, we just had, too many people log in in the first day itself. And I remember our site crashed, right? Because we weren't okay, anticipating okay. that traffic. <laughs> uh, but that, yeah, that was that. So we were amongst the first few to to go online. I think technology is something that we've uh, um, adopted or we've adapted to very quickly right from the beginning because I think everybody pretty much had the mindset that, you know, uh, we need to, um, to use technology really to run businesses, scale businesses. So right, 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 right. Okay, okay. And how did your role evolve? Like in two thousand, what role were you playing, and and how did that evolve over? So the again, you know, just setting up businesses, and of course, around two thousand, I'd actually taken a break because my um, son was born. So, um, and you know, I I hope we talk about Lakshmi, and I'm going to tell you why Lakshmi happened. Right. So I took a break, and then when I came back. Also, that was the time when, you know, like you said, everything had um, the capital markets or stock broking as an industry had become very, you, very... When did you come back? Like, So this was 2004. Okay. Um, and so um, it had become very professionalized. Um, <clears throat> and so had our company. So when I came back, I realized one of the things... I mean, I wasn't really adding value in the business because there were professionals who were very, very well qualified. Um and and I think for me, it was time to set up, you know, play my role of setting up new businesses. So 2003 is when actually I started. I went back to uh, school. So I, I did executive education at SPGN. Uh, so that was something that that was always sort of left unfinished. Right. So um, so so took care of that unfinished business. And I think while I was there, I sort of also looked at the landscape of within the financial services, um, you know, what are the next, what are the new trends? Uh, and of course, the commodity futures were just starting. Um, commodity futures in our country had been banned for almost, you know, 40 years. And then they sort of, you know, then the uh, the finance bill was passed, which said, okay, now, now we can have exchanges which offer uh, future commodity futures. And that to me was a very interesting space because, it was new. It was um, markets were very uh, unorganized even then, and it was challenging because you know the the fundamentals and the way the the markets uh, behaved were very very different to stock markets. Right? It was like every commodity was an entire stock market by itself. So uh, so that's what I came back and I set up the commodity futures business. And then over the next few years, currency futures also happened, which was a great, uh, uh, you know, a great complement to the commodity futures because commodity futures are essentially also very internationally linked. So your commodity prices are internationally, a large part of your commodities prices, whether it's gold, you know, metals, precious metals, or it is a lot of the spices or um, pulses, they were linked um, to international prices. Um and therefore, I think currencies was a great uh, complement um, to commodities. So that currency futures was also what was the test that I set up. So, yeah. So uh, tell me about 2010, like, like you know, just like, like decade by decade. So we talked about 2000 where we were. So 2010, like where so was... 2010 commodity markets were booming. I think uh, the business that I had set up was doing exceptionally well. We were amongst the top three uh, commodity brokers. 
for me it was uh, personally also a very uh, you know it was a challenging and gratifying journey so around 13 14 i i guess you started getting into uh, other things like 13 i can see uh, you started ishka film uh, and 14 Yeah, so um, so I think there was one a personal uh, life incident which sort of you know just made me take two steps back and think about mm. uh, you know what exactly do I want uh, uh, want my life to to look like going forward. Um, and while around I was thirteen, like like th- this happened around that time. Yeah, just uh, uh, so two thousand eleven. Actually, I lost my mother, and uh, she was very young. She was fifty nine when she passed away. um and it just just made me sit sit up and think that you know life is unpredictable it's ephemeral and you you need to start really you know stop or rather stop living just in the present you need to look beyond um and i think which is where i said okay these are the few things that i know i want to do so my my mother was uh, she was she had the artistic creative genes She, I mean, I got them from her. I was always. Uh, she made sure that we are all learning music. We are all into the arts in some form or not. Uh, remember, schools were not pay- playing such an active role back right. then. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Thanks to my mother, I think all of us have have got that exposure. And she would keep telling me that you're very creative. You should do something. Uh, you know, with with, with the um, uh, aptitude that you have. and i think after she passed away i said look i mean i do want to do uh, i want to create some sort of legacy i know businesses are there and we are creating a legacy there but maybe something which has a longer shelf life uh, and which is more mine right personal mine as well um, and then i was doing some work on on creating a film fund uh, which was part of what we were thinking at anandrati uh, you know because a lot of our clients did want at that time media and entertainment was booming and everybody wanted one foot in right and we said can we create a fund around uh, uh, in this space so when i did my homework i think i realized that well a fund is not very suitable because uh, you know we are very conservative in our offerings uh, in wealth and uh, media and entertainment space is hugely volatile so you couldn't tie it in a box uh, and therefore it was not doable um, mm. but since i did my homework and i you know i was I've always had that bent of mind, you know, saying, "Okay, let me. I want to do something creative." I did see a space um, evolving, a space for very, um, you know, sort of intellectual cinema. At that point in time, it was called intellectual, but today you have today content has really become, you know, the thing, right? But at that point in time, it was essentially the stars. If you make a film with the stars, you had it, right? But the satellites were slowly um, buying content. by saying okay even if theatrical i don't make great money i know that here it you know, i can sort of de-risk it uh so and and that space was empty there weren't many people making a lot of interesting cinema and i said okay this is probably one place that i would want to get in so i told my family this is what i want to do and you know as you can assume here is like here is a family of financial experts and they were like yeah. right? films are you sure you want to pretty big films but you know i had to really convince them but that to me was also that was the time when it it was a huge recognition of the fact that as an individual you have your own financial goals also and are you really thinking about that or you're just assuming that all right in the future if i want to do something i'll do it right and i realized that this is something i want to do completely on my own uh so to create that corpus took me some time uh but the biggest learning was that that if you have financial goals it's important to write them down and start working towards them yeah um and that's how ishka films came about um and it it all happened actually a lot of things fell into place i had a great friend who um who suggested this um uh, you know who who goaded me to meet this filmmaker um and uh, i met him he had a great script and you know i said okay this is the kind of film that i want to make something that's quirky but still has entertainment value and yet leaves you with a thought 
Yeah, which film was that? The the first one that you did? So actually, the first one was eventually made second. It's a film called Karma. Uh, but actually, I started my journey with that script first. But we had to uh, shelve it for some time because of some, you know, again learning experiences. Uh, but we had to. I had to put it aside. And in the meanwhile, I had another great script that came my way, and which was, um, you know, uh, the director of the film, Anu Menon. I met her, and she described it and. and that was the time that i was still sort of dealing with the loss you know my mom's loss and this resonated so deeply and then i realized also during that time that when i spoke to people every person had that sense of you know some everybody's gone through some sense of trauma and loss due to you know loss of a loved one and i thought it was a great film and um, so right from scratch i mean that was my waiting was my hands on journey to film making so right from talking to the cast writing to them uh getting the budgets drawn out you know uh, everything marketing publicity just doing everything hands on i think in that one film i sort of at least understood that how do you you know what are the do's and don'ts of making a film so yeah that was that was my first film and then of course karva got made uh, in the meanwhile hmm. um uh, hmm. and this is all like your personal corpus that you invested absolutely, in absolutely absolutely okay. so i didn't have a lot of money right so i had to make you know uh, small budget films uh, but films which i truly believed in um, so uh, how many films have you made under the iska and and this would be like what you would be a producer here or i'm a producer okay. Uh, okay. and i've made i think features two i've made three short films uh, but this is the thing right it it you know it needs bandwidth i am not the aim is not really to get a studio uh, but really make films that i believe in so as and when i have time but now i've set, set up a team at ishka as well so we are looking so i have two or three features more um, in the pipeline um, and and i think that's a field that i've learned a lot and i apply a lot from what i learned there here as well in my financial services i think it's, what uh, what what kind of transferable learning have you got from filmmaking that you know filmmaking it was very interesting for me that journey into filmmaking um when when i just you know when we were making waiting and i would speak to the script writer the dialogue writer or the director or um even nasir ji and you know people who were kalki who were on the in the film i just it was very liberating because when you know coming from where i was there was a it, it was a very very structured way of thinking and working right it had backed by data it had a structure and you, there was there was a need for uniformity in what you were doing hmm. um there was a checklist approach basically and the uh, and and i think that was a completely different world there was there were no rules of the game uh there were no sort of you know uh, boundaries to how you could think um and and i think that's why just being with the set of creative people i think to me it helped me also come back and say that there may be more ways of doing this um than than what are than how one thinks right um also i think it brought you know i as a woman i always thought that i brought a lot of empathy quotient to the team to the company but i think i i brought back brought back so much more uh, with those interactions because you know that those are people who are living life very very differently than how we are um i mean if you look at people in the film industry uh, it is a film to film Hmm, right there is yeah. no it's like a freelancing thing there is no hmm. guarantee hmm. of what's going to happen tomorrow yeah 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 and yet for them to live that fulfilling life uh to me just brought home the power of of doing what you are 100% enjoying it totally um and just being in it like you know and i think so many different things that that i think that impacted me as an individual which i think i sort of brought back um, to the teams here and a lot of people would ask me that how do you how can you do you know to completely like other ends of the spectrum sort of uh, uh, jobs but i think um, they were very very uh, complimentary and uh, hmm. Hmm. It, it basically helped you increase your eq 
like your emotional quotient yeah if uh, yeah i mean people tell me that i was always very uh, eq was very very uh, sometimes a bit too okay. high but i think mm-hmm. yeah it did totally mm-hmm. And uh, you became the managing director. So, you take that role from like who was the MD before that, and you know, tell me about that transition. So, essentially, there, you know, we typically uh, we sort of had an overarching umbrella over all our companies. But as you know, in financial services, each each uh, um, you know because of different regulators and different compliances. uh every every stream of business needs to have a separate entity so for example insurance has to be a separate entity from broking uh similarly um you know now even your advisory has to be you know you can't do advisory and broking but wealth had to be separate you had investment banking so there were just too many nbfc had to be a separate structure so that's when we sort of sat down as a uh, and we have a family board so we within us sort of decided that we need to individually sort of uh looking on our look you know going by our core functions what we spend most most of our time or where we think we have the skill of you know where we we are playing leadership roles uh choose to be on boards of their company that was also the time we uh brought in more um structure to our boards uh, you know we just made sure that we have external board members you know we are our boards are full you know completely sort of um, otherwise if you, if you see a lot of the family run companies boards are you know they're just there in name like okay there is a board, right? uh, which is where we that's how we structured um, so then which is why we had kind of and we also said that we don't want all family members to be on all boards uh because i think individually we were also evolving and growing and i think each one of Uh, sort of needed that space to also work in um, so which is why um, you know i was on the board i am on the board of anandrati share and stock brokers uh, because preliminary that's where i play a greater role we were also setting up something known as preferred channel which is moving even forget commodities but even moving um, our uh, and and how would you rank them like which are the bigger parts of the businesses uh, like relatively so i think uh, obviously the ones that one that services are in you know our businesses which is stock broking uh, uh, business i think that that is one of the larger chunks but our construction and smes also you know maybe just uh, uh, slightly behind uh, the so i would if i were to put it you know i would put 40 uh, 40 30 and 30 this you talking about the nbfc nbfc yeah no no so uh, within the group like uh, these entities like uh, w- what are their relative contributions to well uh, on contribution i would say i think uh, wealth management today is about um, 40% of our contribution okay uh, and okay. our retail or our broking services and distribution which is anandrati share and stock brokers uh, hmm. is about 30% and then we have hmm. all other businesses as well okay 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 yeah. okay so uh, you know uh, tell me about lakshmi like you know when did that idea come to your mind and what what was the trigger for that so well like i said right there were a couple of milestones in life that made me you know just sit back and think that why didn't and i'm i come from financial services i understand financial planning um, i am somebody who didn't sort of plan for this financial goal and then i think when i looked around me all along especially when we were when we deal with retail within the retail services when we speak to women uh, about financial planning uh, it's very disturbing to see that women you know whether they are earning their own money doing great in their careers very smart at what they do uh, when it comes to managing money for some reason just sort of they are resigned to saying that the men will manage it my husband father so we they would understand the concept but they would say no I, let me talk to my father or my husband or brother and then you know i'll come back and um, i think to me that was something that that invariably you know would affect me very very deeply because i do think that one of the reasons while you know we speak about gender equality etc um one of the reasons why i think um you know 
in terms of gender pay gaps etc there's still time to go and there's a recognition of it but there's still some time till we reach the you know equal pays right between for men and women but one of the fastest way of at least reducing this financial equality was just to start managing your money and making it grow and and that was also the one way of really saying you know for a woman not to have to compromise whether it came whether it came to a career or a relationship or anything else in life right and if you're a woman you have so many stories around you which are just you know they sort of just cement the fact that yes if this is not done you suffer in just so many different ways and the third piece is that as a as a as a society i think we will not be a healthy society till uh till women play an active and equal role because when women take charge of their money or when they grow money or they are in charge of you know deciding what happens with that money i think money is reinvested into families into communities um which essentially makes our society and i think the communities that we live in far richer and to me i think the only uh, i mean i used to always wonder that why we are not able to when i even i talk to a woman why am i not able to reach out to her right um and while this was this was a pain point for a very long time um i i actually did like i said unfinished business at various times of life so i went to harvard to study i did executive education there uh, i did something as the opm which is like your <laughs> crushed mba programs um so uh there we were asked to make uh, a pitch a strategy pitch for a business idea which was completely new and this was where i you know because it was on my mind for a long time i pitched uh, this idea and lakshmi at that mm. point in time for the lack of a better word you know instantaneously i said okay lakshmi is a great word because it's a type yeah, right. right we right. pray for this lakshmi mm. in uh, in india and yet we we as women think we are not good enough um and which is why i called it at that point in time i called it lakshmi and uh, pitched that idea and it was i think that that was the time when it really came home to me that first women managing their not managing their money is not just an indian problem it's a global issue right second in my cohort of 160 people my batchmates there were about 130 35 men and i think pretty much a large population of the men said why do you need a different platform for women right there are, why why should this here is the platform there's so many people doing financial services you know investment advisory why do you need a separate one but each one of the women and these are all women who are leading entrepreneurs in their countries they said you know they said wow this is amazing because this is where we would have put our money in when we were younger and possibly that one way to really change um or impact the way women live their lives so to me i think that was the deepest uh, sort of my biggest takeaway also from howard and then of course um uh, you know my professors they connected me to uh, to a woman in the us who had started something similar at that point in time and then of course connected me with a lot of resources uh, you know who could make me understand what their landscape was so you know i came back home all charged with knowing what exactly i want to do uh, and that's how lakshmi uh, sort of happened i came back here we did um, you know i did a lot of uh, uh, primary and secondary research to understand because indian demography is different um, you know what what would work in the us may not work here so uh, we spoke to about 5000 women to understand you know what are the pain points what are the friction points why while you intrinsically know that because you've been in the business but it was good to document it also and analyze it right and say okay these are your data points um and i think once we'd done that that's from you know all that distilled is what then became what lakshmi uh, is today uh you know bringing the fact home that um it has to be a digital platform because it takes away the whole inhibition of human interaction 
uh, for women when they want to just try and understand. It has to have a lot of learning and literacy on it. Um, and in a way that women relate. So we churn out humongous, humongous research, right? Between all finance companies and financial services. If you just look at the huge amount of research, but there is not one research that women find good, you know, easy to read and understand because there's um, there's so much of jargons. Also, it's all very sort of, you know, targeted towards men, right? So how men think about money. So it's all about beating the nifty. It is about, you know, a lot of the technical jargons that you would speak about very, in that sense, um, you know, there's a sense of competitiveness even there when, you know, when you're talking about your money. And I think we said, let, let's structure a, a lot of content, which is very relatable. Women, typically we understood, even if I save 10 rupees, I know what I'm saving it for in my head. I know this is where, this is what I want to do with it, right? So very towards, you know, growing and investing their money towards financial goals. So that was, that was that one big learning, you know, that you have all your content also has to be around that, has to be around financial uh, we made a very, very easy to understand and yet a very relatable learning content. So you could just go onto the app and just learn simple basics about, uh, about asset classes, investing, you know, financial planning, all of that. And of course, the investment platform where a woman could go and because one of the things I realized is you may have all my years in financial services, I've been doing a lot of literacy programs, right? Every Women's Day. My calendar used to be chock-a-block just doing literacy programs for women. Uh, but it just stopped there. There was no clear call to action. And I think on this very, I mean, right from the beginning, I knew that this platform had to have um, a call to action where women could actually go and invest their money. So after you've done that learning, how do you take the next step of investing? Because till you don't do that, it's just left to a learning which you forget over a period of time. Right. Right. So hmm. that's how that's how Lakshmi um, the platform was built, um, and and today I think that is something that um, I mean while I am on the board of Anandrati shares and stockbrokers, it is uh, Lakshmi that that I completely that's my baby that's what I drive uh, full time. So what is uh, Lakshmi comparable to? Is it like a, a Paytm money kind of a product where you can? Uh, do all sorts of investments and uh, yeah so we are I mean the aim essentially so first of all uh, you know it it's also made me jump the fence from running a conventional business to really doing a startup right so the process is very different we are building blocks I know what the eventual roadmap is uh, and the roadmap is to become the money platform for women so help her earn money, help her uh, save money, help her understand about spending money a little bit more judicious, judiciously uh, and eventually invest her money, right? We started with the invest block first where we said, okay, we'll, we'll bring in and curate products and package them in a way that women find it easy to take that step of investing, Right. But eventually, it is what we are building now is also blocks uh, uh, of of everything from on to invest. Uh, so that's the roadmap. Eventually, when she wants to save her money, earn her money, and then save her money, so have a savings account where she can understand. Okay, you know, this is where she can understand her spending patterns, saving patterns. Use that money to invest into different products. Draw out her own financial plan. So Lakshmi doesn't aim to be an advisor. It aims to be a life coach, which is teaching you this life skill of saying this is how you build a financial plan for yourself. Um, and it's targeted to women in the age group of 25 to 35 because that is the most underserved uh, part of the market because that's the, that's the age that nobody's talking to, right? Financial advisors are not very keen on reaching out to women because of the long gestation period, right? And um, of course, we have spillovers on either side. So we do have 20 years old also now wanting to invest their money as well as, you know, a 50-year-old woman as well. And, and for us, the... All of this are the blocks, but the core and the center of all of this sits a community where women come. So we've created a safe space for women 
only women in this space where they come and talk about money challenges opportunities um you know their experiences with money what do they aim to do with that money a place where they can ask questions where they can mentor other women if you've done your journey of you know doing your first investment or making your you know um, achieving your financial goals so the community sits right in the center and w- which is where women actually let go of that self doubt and saying you know because a lot of the women don't actually take that first step because either they don't want to ask because there's just too much intimidation right what if this sounds like a stupid question what if you know i laugh at me right there's no place for women to really go and ask that question or ask their questions and third is the whole fear of making mistakes you know i know that if i'm going to make a mistake which is a money mistake i will be told i told you why did you right you know uh it's okay if i'm cooking something and i make a mistake it's fine it doesn't matter but if i'm putting my money somewhere and if i make a small mistake i will be told off right so i think that's the ecosystem where women i mean that's the environment that women sort of you know live in and therefore which is why they get left behind when it comes to you know making money decisions and this is what the community solves all of these three things right so you're watching other women who are in the same space as you or some women who have broken that and, and moved ahead and said yes i've invested my money so you're breaking all of these you know social orientations doubts everything and then learning from each other the peer to peer learning so you know you will not see a lot of communities with men on it but you will see a lot of communities women communities whether it is fashion relationship parenting lifestyle anything um that's because i think as women we like the collaborative approach as opposed to a competitive approach um and i think that's that's where the community again plays a very very critical role so it is not comparable to all the platforms that you just mentioned because it has its own unique features which help women um, you know do that journey of breaking those down so, uh, does it have like a social feature like like, yes. like you said that so if you okay. come onto the app the first thing is it has a community and we <laughs> actually just so again you know uh, aksha we i was not very sure whether women would talk about money in a community also right so we tried this out as a a, a beta feature as a facebook closed group Uh, we started this last year uh, and today we have and it's a closed group so we can't market it but just by referrals we have 10000 women on this group who are asking talking money and very active we have 75% engagement on this wow okay so to us it was a proof of you know it, it, it was sort of proof of concept that yes there is a need and there is a space that we can create so we've just migrated it onto the app now um community so when you come onto the app the first thing and this is right now only on the android very shortly in the next two three days in the ios so when you come onto the app the first thing you see is a community feature where there is a social feature right where you women are asking questions or lakshmi uh, is asking questions or posing thought provoking questions um and women are you know sort of answering putting in their thoughts um so that's the first thing and then you of course have the learning tools and the money uh, tabs where you can just go and invest so you, your eventual goal is to be like a neo bank like also to open up savings accounts for women absolutely and- absolutely but you see this goes beyond just a neo bank uh because you what we are doing is we are creating an ecosystem uh for women right um and it's one of its kind there isn't an ecosystem like this anywhere where a woman can look at everything to do with money right from like i said earning to investing their money there are a lot of literacy program uh, platforms right where women can go and learn there are a couple of platforms where you can you know which are essentially saying okay learn about investment learn about asset classes but there isn't a, you know like a, a, a end to end sort of a solution uh which can serve women for all their money needs so it's beyond an just a neo bank also it's far more um and the reason i say that is because i think for example even simple things like you know saving money 
today you speak to a lot of women and they will tell you that what we save is also not something that we we control right so i think there is a it's it goes back to earning saying do you have the ability to earn your own money if you have then what sort of that earning should be going into your savings once it goes into your savings if you are married then this is what happens right you have a joint account and yet you have your me account if you're single then you know based on your goals this is how your spending pattern should look at like right um and i think very interestingly also um you know when women look at saving money or investing their money um there are also a lot of other goals for example doing something for your parents uh, right which is still a very difficult conversation for women to have if they are married hmm. uh, right yeah yeah, yeah. You, hmm. so it's tying in all these dots so it's not just it's not just the science of managing money but it is also your psychology of money uh your needs from that and then tying in science together so it's way beyond just the neo bank right it's not just products uh but it is it is really like i keep saying it's the life skill Hmm. How will you uh, get earning? Uh, uh, like, uh, will you like offer some sort of like gig employment opportunities on it, or like how will that earning piece come in? So yeah. So we have. I mean, we've already because now we already have a a community which is very deeply engaged. We've been uh, getting a lot of uh, people reaching out to us saying that you know we can tie up. We can can women on your platform become partners for our product. I think we still, okay. we still have, like a Misho. Yeah, I mean not reseller. Yeah, sort of reseller sales funnels, or you know, um, um, also tying, for example, um, uh, the whole gig piece, right? The freelancing piece. Um, but there's just so much you can do, Akshay. I think, like I said, our roadmap is clear, but I think it's building blocks. uh and seeing okay which ones can we we will focus on investing right now because that is that one piece which is completely underserved um and which is a place that women you know and i think once you start seeing benefits of investing then you want to go back to saying okay how can i get my own earnings how can i increase my earn i mean one of the things we tell our women is that you may ha- you have to have two three sources of earning right i think covid has more than ever showed to us that if you're dependent on just your core job or core business uh you are very susceptible uh, and therefore you must have you know um you should build up other channels of revenue um benefits of investing and growing your money if that is understood then we do sort of a backward integration into saying okay now get the earning piece in but right now totally focused on on this journey of saving to investing hmm hmm okay okay and uh, the monetization for you would be like when people invest so that there is a certain uh, commission that you get to earn as a platform so our choice is either to become an investment advisor or to have you know um, uh, earn on the products right um and we realize that in india in our country i think people don't want to pay for advice Hmm. Then right. if you want, yeah. Yeah. you know, because I I don't think people take because it's also abundantly available, right? Like relationship, your financial advice is available everywhere. Go to Reddit, go to wherever you'll get financial advice. Yeah. And, uh-huh. and solicited advice. And I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think it's yeah. hard. You know, it's just a mindset. People first of all don't sort of pay. You know, subscription advisory is just one toughest just to solve. Um, second i also feel that that at the end of the day if they are actually investing the aim of lakshmi is for women to start investing and i think if i leave it at advisory then at least lakshmi is not accomplishing its goal so therefore for us our mission is accomplished when a woman really invests her money and how can we make her invest with absolutely no cost to her right so for example mutual funds we we are okay we are regular funds we will get a commission on that but i think it's important for us to tell women that you can go and do a direct fund but today if i can give her 1% alpha and even more then you know this is a place that that and and for me it's pressure right i have to make sure that i'm giving women that solution uh 
you know so we've chosen to be on the um, uh, more on the distributor model of products uh, and that's where i think our uh, our revenue model will be built out of hmm okay and what is the uh, like the the investment which has happened so far through lakshmi like so like can you share some numbers uh, it's bootstrapped by uh, by uh, me and my sister in law so we've put in our okay. um and uh, hmm. and you know that's how we've started it so no i mean the the users the women who have started investing through lakshmi like what is that uh, so we like, have i don't know what you call it like assets under management yeah or? the aum well i think so the aum i think is still not a big number to talk about but we have about um, uh, half a million worth aum uh, within the lakshmi because within the on the lakshmi platform the only reason being because we are not uh, akshay our aim is not to push on investments uh, our i think focus is to get women onto the community get engaged and learn and then for them to take that step next step right but investments we've got so far is a proof of concept that yes women when they come to the community they talk they learn they take that next step right so what would typically take a woman a year and a half or two years or sometimes never right to take to take the step to take today it's a couple of months on a community and they take that step on their own that proof of concept is there uh so we have about um uh, you know um 2000 odd women who have already actively investing their money so i think those numbers now we you know we are focusing on getting the community uh, more richer like i said migrating it onto the app so it is that one place as opposed to you know uh, the sort of a break in the journey from facebook to uh, the mm. app mm. So, mm. Um, right 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 that's where mm. we are focusing on uh, mm. so yeah and uh, uh, like what's the plan do you like want to like you know typical startup mindset or strategy would be like spend money on customer acquisition and that 2000 number make it like 2 million or 20 million so we are looking at i mean our first milestone is 500 uh, is 5 million on the community uh and we've sort okay. of seen a you know 10 to 15% conversion from community to uh, investing okay and and that 5 million number comes from essentially uh, you know a percentage of women who are working women um who are tax who pay taxes who are, who are digitally savvy right because here you asking women to invest their money online uh, who are able to sort of do money transactions and and don't feel wary of it um so that's our first milestone um and what is the time you put for that like to hit 5 so i think it's very um, uh, i mean we can so it, i think the the way startups and this is again my learning process is that you need to break this into milestones smaller milestones that when i get a 100000 is you know there are those breaks which from where you grow exponentially so i think our first milestone which which very shortly i think we shall reach is about 100000 women on the community and then from there we see okay how do we take it to the next step uh interestingly for us it is not just it is customer acquisition is the first i mean just number of users is the first focus right on the community is it the community feature yeah. uh Mm, that's the top of the funnel for you but i think the way we look at it is also um, you know why it is also unique is because like i said we are community driven i think what we do is a lot of partnerships with a lot of other women communities who want to bring home to their women the whole power of you know growing your money talking about fun, money finance etc and those partnerships actually are important for us to sort of get women with high intent onto the platform our focus on organic uh user acquisition is very high um with we really doing there is of course the paid acquisition that that is much needed as a support uh but i think we spend right now a lot of energy time effort in really um going out and cre- even on our social media handles sort of doing a lot of fitness boot camps etc a great way for us to even you know get win trust and then get users onto the platform right 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 okay and uh like 
you know, what, what is, uh, are you looking at eventually getting external funding into it and all that? Or you want no, to no, absolutely, absolutely looking at uh, getting external funding because um, I think which is why uh, we sort of, like I said, there are milestones that we have, right, from where we know that this is now exponential. Uh, so I think we're sort of walking that uh, uh, we're trying to walk. This is, you can't really sort of say with a lot of conviction that, okay, we will do this. But we're trying to walk that fine balance between, you know, value and dilution. And, and I think we have, I mean, we have a great example by way of Falguni Nair, uh, you know, in terms of really, although that field is completely different, e commerce and that too, fashion is just, uh, I think it's, it's very, very different. But I do think that 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 is something that I would always pay attention to, um, looking at what is a good time to to go out and raise funds. Dilute. Yeah. Hmm. So, so you know, running a community comes with its own set of challenges around content moderation and how do you keep the trolls out and how do you ensure only women are joining. I mean, a man could pretend to be a woman and join. So how do you deal with those challenges? Yeah, so you've actually just, you know, just hit the the sensitive spo- uh, spot right now because that's what we are right now completely focused on. It's just the moderation um, uh, on the community. On the See, Facebook is very easy to moderate. Uh, yeah, but, uh, and because it's a closed group, you're able to moderate it very, very closely. But on the app, we have all the issues that you say, especially when you go out and say it's a women-only community. I think you sort of attract hmm. more <laughs> spam. Um, but we have we've built in those those tools, um, and I think it's a work in progress. Uh, you know, but how do you ensure only women join? Is there a KYC or something? No. So so right now, so what we what we have on the app is you know typically anybody, even you, download the app and view it. To interact, you need to sign up. Even if you want to put in a single comment or you want to like something, you have to sign up. I think that is the first friction point uh, where you sign up. And then, of course, we are building in other, uh, uh, you know, uh, recognition tools uh, are in the process. But uh, right now, I think even the sign up works fairly well for us. uh, I wanted to ask you about the team there. You know, like, uh, what kind of team do you have at Lakshmi now? How how big is it? So we have 15, like 15 people in the team right now. Uh, this does not include my technology team because we are building it at um, uh, ARIT, but now we are bringing that in-house as well. Um, so, yeah, we are a 15-member team, largely all women, but uh, I am trying to build diversity here as well. <laughs> So uh, I, we have three men, but uh, but hmm. I, I mean, given the way Lakshmi is, you know, it will always be uh, by women for women. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Okay. Questions. <laughs> so okay, let me uh, end with this. So uh, you know, you are a very public figure. Uh, tell me about some of the questions that you hate to get asked. Okay, my favorite one is um, a work-life balance. I mean, that is a question that is done to death. Uh, and I'm tired of answering that there is no work-life balance. If you're an entrepreneur, there is no balance. And if you're a woman, even more no balance. Uh, I think it's just sort of, you know, um, just being in, in the present of what you're doing. I think that's one question that, that I'm just completely tired uh, of asking, uh, tired of being asked. Um I think other than that, uh, so did your husband play a supportive role? Did your family play a supportive role? I'm like, (laughs) you know, okay. Uh, So, so yeah, you get questions like that. I think you, uh, but it's, uh, it's okay. I, I think um, Sometimes it is in a way good and I tell myself this, that it's important to say that, yes, you have a supportive family. I think it's important to also understand that there are certain things that as a woman you have to create, right? You have to focus more on creating than men do. So creating a support system around you is something that's very important that women should focus on. I think there's no taking away from it. Uh, 
just does allow you to perform better at work it gives you the freedom to you know spend more hours uh, so i think these are also important questions it's also important for for the men out there to know that you know um that just by just just sort of you know being equal partners uh brings so much value um uh, a relationship in a partnership so i think sometimes just saying them aloud is also important but- If you're a woman who's thinking about taking charge of your finances then do check out the Lakshmi app that's L X M E on Play Store or App Store. If you like the Founder Thesis podcast then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing, technology, career advice, books and drama. Visit the podium.in that is t h e p o d i u n . i n for a complete list of all our shows. This episode of Founder Thesis podcast is brought to you by Long Haul Ventures. Long Haul Ventures is the long haul partner for founders and startups that are building for the long haul. More about them is at www.longhaulventures.com.